this is another special episode of True Diligence where so much is happening so quickly and changing amid coronavirus and COVID-19 concerns that we wanted to uh, talk to the people in the restaurant community about how this is impacting them and, and also some of the people that are helping to make some changes. So Lindsay Shively here in the 41 Action News podcast studio. Jill Silva joining us uh, via phone again. Hi, Jill. Hey, Lindsay. Um, how are you hanging in there? We're doing okay. I, I know everybody is worried, and, and we're just hoping that everyone is staying safe and staying healthy and hoping that this passes as quickly as it can. Um, Jill and I wanted to bring in Danielle Lehman to talk about something that she is doing that a lot of restaurants have really been grateful for. Uh, good morning, Danielle. Thank you for calling in. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Tell us about Curbside KC and, and where was the spark of a thought of we have to do this? Yeah, so Curbside KC was launched on Saturday, so almost a week ago. And really the idea just came because a lot of the restaurant industry folks that I'm friendly with were starting to offer curbside takeout or maybe hadn't offered takeout options before or hadn't offered delivery before, but there wasn't a really clear way to communicate with people in the community who was offering what. And I noticed things were just changing so rapidly that I felt like it would be helpful to have a centralized database of all the restaurants in the community who are offering these services, at least temporarily. So last Saturday, I built a quick website and database for people to access. I put about 25 restaurants on there that I knew were offering these services and then just kind of put it out into the world. And as of this morning, we've had over 60,000 people visit the website. Wow. And we have over 1,000 restaurants in the database. And it's being updated multiple times a day as people continue to either offer new services or maybe change the services they're offering. And Danielle, I forgot to say, we, we need to also say that you are the creator of the fantastic Open Belly podcast that really helped folks explore all the restaurants in Kansas City and now has gone on. You did your last season in New York, right? That's right. And we were actually getting ready to start production on season three, but of course, that's been put on hold right mm. now. So I, I'm just really passionate about how food can help bring people together. And so while we're kind of in between recording seasons, I thought this was a really good use of my time, hopefully to help, you know, inform people of what's happening in the community and, and try to keep a lot of these locally owned restaurants afloat. And I should say also, we have a link now for breweries, wineries, distilleries, and liquor stores as well. So it's not just restaurants anymore. A lot of these um you know, breweries and wineries are now offering curbside takeout as well, where you can call and place an order and they'll bring it right out to your car. That explains the jump from our interview just a day ago when it was at 800 and now we're at 1,000, huh? <laughs> yeah, we actually haven't. I think the word isn't quite out about that offering, um, so I'm hoping this will help spread the word. We have maybe 30 or so uh, liquor listings right now. The rest of them are all restaurants. We we definitely have over 1,000 restaurants, um, so it's wow. continuing to grow. I didn't even know we had that many locally owned restaurants in this community, but um, I'm, I'm happy to be a resource. And, you know, not every restaurant is doing it, but so many are just in, in desperation to find a way to, to continue to make money, to keep their staff employed, to make something. Uh, can you tell us just a little bit about a couple of the restaurant folks that you've talked to, like where they are mentally, how they're doing? Yeah, I, I think it's a little bit all over the place. I've talked to a couple of people that have decided to close down indefinitely. So, for example, um, Chrissy Newcomb, the chef and owner at Casey mm. Pinoy, closed her doors yesterday. And, of course, she's optimistic that she'll be able to open again in a few weeks. But 
um, I think it's it's heartbreaking because her restaurant, she really started it as a way to bring people together, a way to share her family's story and family's recipes with the community. And now she can't do that. And so it's, you know, it's really near and dear to her heart. It's not just a business for her. It's really her heart and soul. So, you know, I think I, I'm hearing a lot of stories like this. And then some others that I've heard are, are doing okay and are, are are still open. Um, for example, Waldo Thai has now started offering uh, curbside takeout for family-style meals. Mm. And of course, the sales volume is just down for everyone. It's not like they're doing what they were. But um, I think as of last night, they were able to still keep their core staff busy at the restaurant. They're getting a, a fair amount of takeout orders. And it's it's really um, a positive thing for me to see, and I know for the restaurant owners and chefs to see that their loyal customers are continuing to support them even during this time. And Danielle, you're also working on some uh, food rescue at this point, trying to get food to the right places if people decide they're going to close. That's right. Talk so a little about the, that. Sure. So for the past few months, I've been working with a nonprofit uh, on the national level that's uh, called Food Rescue U.S. You can learn about them at foodrescue.us. And Essentially, what they do is they help connect restaurants and caterers with local hunger relief organizations that could use surplus food donations. So we've been working to start a chapter here in Kansas City, and and essentially what that means is if a restaurant, you know, buys for a certain amount of customers to come in and then maybe volume is lower than they expected, and they have surplus food that uh, they need a, a place for it to go, rather than throwing it away, we can coordinate to have a volunteer come pick it up or the rescue, or excuse me, the uh, the hunger relief organization themselves might be able to come pick it up. And then, of course, it can go to feed food insecure families in Kansas City, which is really more important now than ever. Um, a lot of these pantries and kitchens have been depleted. Mm-hmm. They they really desperately need anything, any donations they can get right now. So Christy Newcomb from Casey Pinoy, when she closed her doors yesterday, she actually donated the remainder of what she had left to Operation Breakthrough. And then they were able to divvy up her donation and turn it into family-style meals for the 400 families that they serve. And, you know, that is amazing that she donated. And I am also thinking from a business owner perspective that that is just food cost lost, at least in the immediate time for them. That is another, that has to be another difficult part of this. Yeah, I think people aren't quite sure how much inventory to order. Um, I heard from both Bay Boys Deli in the West Plaza and also Corvino down in the crossroads that they both ran out of bread um, one day. Mm. So I think everyone's not quite sure how much to order. They, of course, want to be able to serve their customers, but at the same time don't want to end up with too much or, or overbuy. So as people are figuring that out, you know, we're happy to be a resource however we can to, to help find a place to donate anything that might be left over. And, Danielle, I'm wondering, are we also deploying people's skills? Like if Chrissy, you know, is a great cook and she's not cooking, are there ways for chefs to find um, work, you know, with different organizations? You know, that's a great question. I know there have been a couple of people in the community trying to figure out how we might be able to deploy food trucks to help bring food to families who mm-hmm. aren't able to, to get to a pantry. So I know that's been in the works. Um, I'm sure a lot of these hunger relief organizations would love any any extra help, especially from trained culinary professionals in the kitchen, but I don't know of any specific opportunities. Um, that's really something um, I would love to look into and add to the website. That's a great idea. Yeah. 
Danielle, thank you so much for calling in. I, I'm, I'm sure we'll be talking to you again as the situation just keeps evolving and keep us posted on anything, any new avenues for these restaurant folks. We're thinking about all of them. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Danielle. Next, we want to bring in Joanna Sebelin from Harvesters. Joanna, good morning. Just looking at the images across the city of the need that is really beginning to grow, it's it's scary and heartbreaking. What are you seeing from the Harvester's end? Oh, the same. Uh, I mean, we are, we know that this is going to increase, you know. Um, just Just in the past couple of days, a couple of, facts came out, and that is one in five people, according to an NPR Maris poll, indicated, you know, that they had already lost their job or reduced hours. Yesterday, statistics came out that said, you know, uh, unemployment across the country uh, had jumped to 20 percent, and in this area, it's about 13 percent. Those are yesterday's figures. We don't know what it's going to look like today. That, so we know it's going to be growing. That seemed to happen, and this may be naive on my part, that seemed to happen very quickly in a matter of a, about a week or so. Does that surprise you, or were you guys kind of expecting this? <laughs> it's a little bit of both. I think we we took a look at some of this when it was all beginning to roll out. We knew it was going to uh, begin to increase. We were surprised that it increased so quickly. You know, we already had to provide food to uh, uh, thousands of people who, before this all began, were food insecure. And now we're seeing, anticipating 20% increases. Joanna, where is all that food going to come from? Do you know? <laughs> I think what we're doing here, you know, it, it's we are dealing with a perfect storm. If you look at the economy, if you look at um, uh, the food industry, and then you look at all of the people who are impacted by it, all of those play into this. So as the economy gets worse, the food industry itself is trying to maintain their logistics and you've all seen pictures of grocery stores being emptied and grocers changing their hours and people trying to get food for their own family. And so consequently, what we know is at the moment, we have to purchase more food in large quantities. That's a shift in our model because obviously, while we were always uh, benefiting from large donations from manufacturers, distributors, and the community through food drives and individual food donations, uh, all of that is shrinking. We have seen that shrink, clearly. Uh, and so we had to shift to emergency status, and we've, we've had to find as much as we can um, uh, uh, product that we can purchase by the pallet load, by the truck load, to be able to get it in here uh, quickly so that we can get it out. So we're into a purchasing model right now, although uh, you might suspect with all the various restaurants closing and, and um, uh, that many of those restaurants and entertainment venues uh, had uh, produce, so we're seeing some of that donation come in, but primarily we're on a 
or on a purchase model, which, of course, is much more expensive to be able to bring the food in. Can I ask, we've heard from a couple of agencies that they're really preferring cash donations right now. Is that something right. Harvesters wants to? I imagine you guys know how to, you know, really get the most out of that buck. That's right. So, yes, first we are asking people to donate. People people have been wonderful. They're, they've been calling, how can we help? Uh, we're saying, please, if you can, if you can donate dollars, because that's going to be able to help us revert to our emergency status and be able to purchase the product. But I will say, you know, while we're purchasing it, you might you might understand that um, it takes longer to get it in here. Mm. Uh, you know, what normally might have taken a week and a half is now two to three weeks, maybe four uh, lead time to be able to get so to be able to get the food in. So our food sourcing people are really working hard to try to be able to bring in consistent amount of food over that time period. I know we're thinking about all the restaurants who had to unexpectedly close their mm-hmm. doors, who have food that's expiring. Are you wanting the restaurants to, to come your way? Are you able to get it out in time if they bring something like that to you? Yes, if they if they possibly can. I mean, I know they have enormous concerns in their own industry, but if they possibly can, at least it can help them understand that the the they understand that the food won't go to waste if it's here. Yeah. And we're pushing it out primarily through our mobile pantries, which is probably what you saw in the line uh, yesterday at the Justice Center. Oh, yeah. So we wanted to, um, we were talking about that before we got on the phone call. Sky Set, or Sky Tracker was over. It was wrapped around the block. It was mm-hmm. so, it was so sad to see all those people who need those meals. And what else that made me think of is the whole reason a lot of this is happening is COVID-19 and coronavirus. Joanna, how do you make sure when people do come that they are staying a, a safe distance away, that this, like having a meeting point to get the food doesn't create its own problem with the virus? Sure. So one of the things, our mobile pantry model uh, is basically people could stay in their car mm. Uh, to be able to pick up the food. And so any volunteers that we might have available uh, can put that food into their car, into their trunks, or, or whatever. We have been working with our agencies, as everybody has, to try and maintain social distancing and shopping etiquette and, you know, a lot of those things. But um, we have, uh, let me just say, you know, harvesters, people don't often think about food banks being involved in disaster relief. And we've had a long history of being involved in disaster relief, but primarily those are natural disasters, and we're talking about hurricanes and floods and ice storms and uh, tornadoes, those kinds of things. And it's generally location-specific, and so, you know, the whole whole community can gear up and and try and, and help mitigate some of that. But in this case, it's everywhere, Um, and so, um, you know, we're we're into sort of none of us have ever dealt with a pandemic before so it's really quickly we have to begin to we begin to listen to all of the messages and be able to change those messages and change our model as much as we can to be able to get the food out so i think you know it's challenging on all sides but uh, we have 37 we have some very large agencies we have a number uh, we have almost 270 plus mobiles that go out every month, and um, uh, we have 37 of our partner agencies 
that have been trained in disaster response who are trying to we're trying to leverage everything we have and everything we know um, uh, around this whole effort. You know, when this began, we were thinking, wow, we need to get at least two weeks of food out to people uh, so that they would have two weeks of food. And uh, because at that time, we were thinking it was all going to be, you know, through April the 3rd. Um, and obviously, that's changed. So it's challenging. Do you have enough volunteers at this point, Joanna? Are you seeing a drop off in volunteers, or do you have more people who are able to help? Um, with the volunteer work. Well, let me go back to that perfect storm again. Mm -hmm. So we have to comply, of course, with CDC and state and county and uh, city uh, announcements. We serve 26 counties across both Kansas and Missouri. To give you a visual, sometimes people say, oh, okay, but what does that really mean? So I like to sort of give a, a word picture to say if you were to be at in Riley County, uh, where K State is, and follow I 70 all the way across, we cover the area that then ends on the other end in Johnson County, Missouri, which is central Missouri, Warrensburg. So you, I like to say we're kind of bracketed by college communities on either end of our service area. So it's, it's challenging because, of course, um, the states and counties have different kind of requirements, so we're going to the most conservative, which is, you know, no more than 10 people in a setting. Consequently, we have indeed seen our volunteers drop off. Either they've canceled or we've had to cancel them out um, because they might have been school groups, and of course we can't have school groups in. Uh, people are concerned themselves. So we've seen that drop off, and just yesterday I asked what our what our volunteer rate was. They said they had to cancel out almost 2,600 volunteers. So, yes, we've seen drop off in our volunteers. Yeah. Um, we are working to see if uh, we can change that a little bit. Uh, so if we could have 10 volunteers consistently, those who felt that they could, across all of our shifts, that we'd be able to, to sort what we have in-house. Um, we are looking at uh, setting up three different volunteer stations in our facility, which is a large, it's a large warehouse, that would separate 10 groups in a section. Uh, each shift, and so we're we're beginning to move that out um, to be able to see if we can get volunteers. Now, those volunteers may look different because a lot of our volunteers, as you might suspect, are church groups. Churches are closing. Mm -hmm. uh, they're organization groups. Organizations are closing. Many of our volunteers are retired. They're in the individual age groups, uh, the vulnerable age group. And, of course, schools have closed. Uh, so school groups and youth groups, we can't take. Um, <laughs> so yes, to answer your question, we have seen our volunteers shrink. So many ripple effects from this. Uh, Joanna. Oh, absolutely. So what do you want people listening to know right now about Harvesters and how they can help? So Harvesters is considered an essential service. We do food. We do emergency food. We are committed to being here as long as we can. 
meaning as long as our as long as the food can come in and as long as we can certainly have staff to move that food. I mean, we are, we we have our own staff too that we have to maintain, you know, their safety. So we are here. We're giving food out. The best way people can do that is to donate by going to our website. That's the most immediate and that would be the most helpful. I would also ask if if people could kind of watch out and listen as we if they feel that they can to be able to volunteer, we'd love to hear from them. And again, kind of call our community engagement and look at our website as to how to give uh how to how to help. I think the other thing I want people to know is if they need help, uh, and many people probably have never accessed the safety net services before, but if they need help, that they can also go to our website under Get Help, and we can help uh, by putting in their zip code, they can find perhaps a pantry or a mobile near them. Um, and uh, so it's, it's kind of two-pronged there. Thank you so much for talking to us this morning. Please keep us posted on any updates. I will. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Joanna. Thanks, Jill. Now we want to welcome Lucy Rieger to the, well, I was going to say to the 41 Action News podcast studio. Lucy's joining us from the phone, too, as is Jill. Uh, Lucy, selling hand sanitizer at J. Rieger & Co. has been, I, it's an amazing thing you guys are doing. The response has been Crazy. Crazy. We're, our biggest regret is we didn't start this two weeks ago. Oh. We had no idea um, the, the need. It's, since we started doing this, the response has been um, alarming, I think is probably the best mm. word to use right now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, here we are. We're doing what we can. <laughs> well, And you've been working around the clock. You're, is it your whole staff that's in there trying to get hand sanitizer made for people? Um, so we have, um, we, last week, um, before kind of every, everything got really crazy, said no matter what, we're paying everybody for the next two weeks. Mm. Um, but now they can't come in um, technically because our bar and restaurant space isn't open. So um, we're just asking people, you know, technically, yes, they are being paid for their hours, whether they work or not. But we're just kind of saying, if you feel well and want to come help, come down. And our team has been, like, overwhelming, ready to help. So we've mm-hmm. just kind of been doing shifts and working through it that way, just shifts of, like, four to six people at a time to keep the group small. How did you think are about you operating? I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Jill. Go ahead. Go ahead, Lindsay. Oh, I was just going to say, are you operating, like, um, when you say shifts, are you operating around the clock right now, or, or what's the plan there? We we are. We're kind of, I think we're stopped. Well, we have been kind of taking a gap around 3 a.m.-ish. Wow. Um, we've been, haven't had a body here, but, I mean, there's people getting back by 6 a.m., so um, working as many hours as humanly possible. We've seen a few distilleries around the country kind of pop up to start doing this. How did this seed get planted for you guys? And you make whiskey. What's the link to, and gin, of course, what's the link to hand sanitizer? How are you able to do it? Sure. Yeah. um, Distilleries all around the country have been doing this, especially in Seattle for the last couple of weeks, you know, which was hit hard early on. Mm. Um, And so we weren't honestly planning on doing this. Our, our kind of default, um, 
you know, what are we going to do next idea was to do the bottled cocktails to go because we know how to do that. We know how to do it well. And we were, you know, prepared, had everything, you know, available to be able to do that. So that was like our initial instinct was like, we'll sell cocktails. Um, and then early this week, um, I had the first healthcare facility reach out and say, you know, we take care of senior citizens. We have no hand sanitizer. We're desperate. Can you help? Wow. Um, we saw that other distilleries can make hand sanitizer. Can you make it? Wow. And I just looked at Andy, my husband, um, and said, I was like, you know, we've got to do the hand sanitizer thing. He's like, cool, let's start it. Hmm. Um, so the link is uh, the most important ingredient in hand sanitizer is high proof alcohol. Um, and so as a distillery, we have all the licenses and um, everything in place to be able to acquire that product. And it, it's a product we have available or, you know, sitting on our production floor at any given time because we use it to make our vodka and gin. Um, and so we were, we had the key ingredient. We didn't have things like bottles, um, any emulsifying agents. So that's kind of really been the scramble is getting in those other supplies to be able to make a full product. <laughs> I mean, the, there was some struggle to get bottles to you, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, we have pulled every, pulled out every stop, contacted every supplier. We've had some people really step up and help and waive overnight shipping fees and um, really step in to get us what we need. And so uh, we are getting more supplies in daily. Today, we're expecting a massive influx of supplies that should um, allow us to be able to be making thousands of bottles a day this weekend. And so we should have so much more supply. Um, And we're prioritizing requests from healthcare organizations and first responders right now. And the needs are vast and kind of startling. Um, And Mm -hmm. so we are trying to work through those big orders first while also having a stash available to just provide the general public. That is wild. You would think that (laughs) that that would fall to you guys or just that they wouldn't have another place to turn to. Right. That's I I've said that so many times. I'm like, I'm like, it's terrifying that people are coming to a distillery like, you know, these like that you know, these diagnostic testing centers that are getting in the COVID samples to test people are calling us saying, can you help us? We have 10,000 samples coming in tonight. We have no hand sanitizer. That happened to us yesterday. So I'm like, we feel the weight of the world. Um, We never obviously expected to do this. Um, We want to get back to making booze and drinks and, you know, the fun things as soon as possible. But right now there's, there's a need that's much bigger than us. And so we have resources. And so we're trying to use those resources to fill a really big gap right now. Is it, are these local healthcare places that are reaching out to you? Yeah. Or, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. All, everybody in the region, we have people driving in from Sedalia to mm-hmm. pick up today, um, Springfield, really everywhere. Um, and so it's, I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, it's been, it's been a wild ride these last couple of days. I haven't slept much. <laughs> do you have funds, um, coming in from these organizations? Do, I mean, do they have funds to pay you or are you having I to do. donate that and then trying to make 
some of that up with the sales and suggested you're doing it. We can. Um, we did put to place. So or pay um, what you we, can, I guess. People, we're, yeah, we're saying pay what you can. Um, we did put suggested prices on things and those things that allowed us to buy these materials that we didn't have. You know, I think that's something that's been kind of lost on people. Like, you know, we didn't have thousands of bottles for hand sanitizer sitting around. Mm. Like, we didn't have labels sitting around. We didn't have glycerin sitting around. Um, these are supplies that we're having to buy while being able to earn zero revenue mm. as a company because we're, we've been forced to shut down um, because we, are, you know, have a bar restaurant space. And so we are asking um, any, you know, anybody that wants the product to pay what they can. Um, most people have been incredibly generous paying more than we're asking for. And that money is not only allowing us to, you know, keep paying our staff, um, even the ones that aren't here uh, working, but also it's allowing us to donate um, to organizations that can't pay, you know, and we completely understand that. Um, you know, I have homeless shelters and things reaching out. They, they don't have funds wow. and we have, you know, totally understand that. So that's where that money is really helping us be able to keep acquiring more um, more supplies and be able to donate to people that are in a really tough position right now. Lucy, do you guys have plans? I mean, I know none of us really know when this is going to, like the quarantine situation end or the threat end. Right. Are you planning on doing this in perpetuity? Do you know? Uh, yeah, we just we plan to do this as long as it's needed. Um, we have no plans to stop hand sanitizer production. Anytime soon until, you know, if I, we hope that, you know, the Purells of the world and whoever normally makes hand sanitizer can catch up and, you know, get people what they need. We don't necessarily want it to be in this business, but we're trying to fill that gap in the interim. Um, So, yeah, we're going to do it as long as people are requesting it. And you're still distilling whiskey and gin and all of the stuff you were making before, right? Oh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Whiskey yeah. production doesn't doesn't stop around here. Um, our we have um, three of our distillers who are still working right now, and we're you know if that's business as usual. Um, you know, whiskey takes four or five plus years to age, so oh wow, yeah. we uh, are just you know may as well keep that going because. You know, why not? <laughs> can, can I ask you, we've heard from a lot of like brewery owners and, and distilleries, yeah. like uh, with everybody staying at home and not going out to restaurants where a lot of people often have a cocktail. Uh, they're yeah. really hoping that grocery store sales and all of that still keep up. Has that been OK? Have you guys had a chance to breathe and look at it? Yeah. So that the nice thing is we do have the wholesale side of our business. Um, and so selling our product to liquor stores and, um, and grocery stores and things like that. Um, that's definitely keeping, uh, you know, that's definitely positive for us. We are anticipating that to drop off because there was kind of this bum rush of everybody rushing out, buying a bunch of booze. Uh, You know, we don't think people are going to keep buying multiple bottles of whiskey every week. (laughs) You know, I think there's a, you know, there's kind of a cap (laughs) on what a normal person needs. Um, so we anticipate that slowing down, um, you know, the bars and restaurants being closed down is a massive hit for us. That's where a lot of our sales are. Um, 
And we really feel for all of our, you know, industry partners and that. And we've been working so closely with so many local restaurants and bars and seeing whatever we can do to help them. Um, One of the other issues that people aren't taking into consideration is even though we, you know, people are out buying booze from liquor stores and things like that, that doesn't necessarily mean then that our distributors are going to have the funds to be able to pay us for those orders that they've already picked up. So we have, I mean, we have massive amounts of, um, you know, outstanding funds that, uh, you know, we don't know if people are going to be able to pay their bills when this is over. So that's another kind of layer of it that is challenging. The ripple effects of this are crazy. We just I talked to yeah. Farm to Market Bread yesterday, and yeah. you know their number one seller was buns, but uh-huh. none of the restaurants needed to keep the or not none, but most of them didn't need to keep it. So now they're trying to sell sliced bread to the grocery stores. They've had to totally almost shift their business focus. Yes, yeah, that's I mean that's kind of everybody. That's kind of where everybody's at right now. It's just like completely pivot and get into a, a whole new business in a matter of hours or days. You know, we went from being a distillery with this massive on-site bar, restaurant, event space um, operation to being pretty much just a hand sanitizer factory wow. in like 48 hours. And where do you get the hand sanitizer <laughs> recipe? I, honestly, the I mean, world, we're following the uh, the World Health Organization. Uh, recommended recipe. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. So fortunately those resources were out there. Um, ours is higher alcohol than what they call for, but mm. you know, that just was our choice. Um, yesterday you had, um, on the first day you had a lot of traffic issues. Yeah. Why don't we address those in case people are going to go and try to buy some hand sanitizer, you know, in the next few days. Sure. Um, so traffic was insane yesterday. Uh, we totally recognize that KCPD has stepped in um, and has shut down all the streets in our area except for Gwinnott Avenue. Um, so you can access Gwinnott from East 3rd Street or from Front Street. Um, and it's uh, it's a straight shot down to the distillery. So cars are lining up along Gwinnott and we're keeping everybody in their vehicles. We're not doing, you know, person you know, out of their vehicle lines. It's all just a line of vehicles, so we can do drive-through service. Um, but everybody is lining up down Gwinnott Avenue. And so we have a map on our social media channels. Um, if you're unfamiliar with the area, that's that's going to be the only way to get here for the foreseeable future is just Gwinnott Avenue. And I also um, read your tweet, from, or the tweet from the Rieger, maybe not from you specifically, but telling people to be kind mm. and be nice. <laughs> yeah. What it is wrong with people? Um, so I, I wear a lot of hats around here on a normal basis, which isn't, isn't normally bad, but, um, you know, running our social media on top of everything else right now has um, been probably the hardest part for me. Um, so, yeah, we, you know, we get it. People are really stressed. It's, people are frantic. People are panicked. People are in really bad positions right now. Um, we had, you know, a handful of really negative interactions in person yesterday. And then, um, also people on social media just kind of, you know, people want to criticize what we're doing for whatever, 
reason, you know, they seem, they feel as valid. Um, and so I've just kind of, for my own mental health, I've just said, you know, if, if you want to be negative, be negative. I'm not responding to any of that anymore. And we're just, we're just moving forward and focusing on what we do because every time I take time to, you know, try to explain to somebody who is misinterpreting what we're doing and mm. trying to make it a negative, it's taking time away from me filling orders for hospitals and nurses. And, you know, I'd rather focus on doing that. Um, we did have some people be really mean in person to our staff and we're just, you know, KCPD is here. We're not going to tolerate it. If you're not nice, stay home. <laughs> Lucy, wash your hands. Yeah. And wash your hands. <laughs> how, how many organizations and from the medical profession or from nonprofits would you say have reached out ballpark? Um, I am I've, our tasting room into my command center. So that's where I'm calling from you right now. <laughs> um, I have a massive spreadsheet going we are probably at um, close to a hundred orders right now oh, wow. um, from healthcare organizations and you know charity organizations, um, just people at, you know just larger groups and organizations, companies, businesses that are in desperate need. Um, so that's the spreadsheet I'm working through right now. Um, so, I mean, some of the requests are absolutely massive. And so we're still hoping to be able to fill all those in the next few days. But yeah, we're, we're working through it. Oh my goodness. Well, what I, do you think your capacity is overall? I mean, are others going to have to get involved with you or is there, are we going to see every distillery maybe needing to do something like this? Oh, I mean, I, I wish to God that I keep saying this, the, the Tito's of the world, the, you know, the aviation gen, I'm like, where are you guys right now? Mm -hmm. Like you have so much more capacity and resources and things than we ever will. And it's, it's these small local distilleries in all these communities across the country that are the ones stepping up. And, you know, I hope people remember that at the end of the day, you know, who was here for you when, when our community was in crisis and that's, I mean, that's not the reason we're doing this, but you know, it just feels like no, when the, when the bigger companies aren't stepping in, somebody's got to. Mm. So we're going to do what we can for our community. Um, our capacity. I mean, honestly, we are just ordering supplies as fast as we can get them in. There's no like target number of bottles we're trying to hit. We got, like physically have um, about 11,000 empty bottles that were delivered yesterday wow. on site. Um, so we're hoping to get all those filled over the next few days and out the door. Um, I mean, we are, <laughs> we are scaling this up quite dramatically over the next few days. How long does it take? Is it just like a matter of mixing it together and putting it in a bottle? It will be. So um, unfortunately, at first, we were having a really hard time obtaining, um, glycerin mm. and, um, which is a, a, an emulsifier that we need to, you know, thicken it. And, um, and so we have been using xanthan gum, which I personally drove around to all the natural grocers in the Kansas city Metro <laughs> oh and bought gosh. out all of their stock. And we have been making it like, like gallons at a time. Um, I mean, it's been really like hands-on and that's what's been slowing us down. Um, and so like I had my Vitamix, I had our nanny brought me our Vitamix yesterday <laughs> to, 
to help just have another Vitamix going blending. Um, like that's kind of how small it's been going or, you know, it had to start out, but we're expecting um, our glycerin supplier to deliver today. And that, and then at that point, it will be a matter of just like mix alcohol, mix glycerin, mix peroxide, go wow. like out the door. Like it'll be so much faster. Oh my goodness. Lucy, thank you. Thank you so much for calling in. We know you guys are yeah, so busy. Thank you for what course. you're doing. This is incredible. Oh my gosh. Of course. We this are is an incredible effort. Incredible. Yes. We are we are here to help. We as can't long as wait need us. to come to the rigor under more happy circumstances yes. and have a cocktail soon. Yes. Drinks for everyone soon, <laughs> please. We all need it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lucy. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Of course. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Jill, really incredible to hear it's very three different perspectives on massive changes happening right now in the restaurant industry and the hospitality industry. Uh, some really brilliant and innovative and creative solutions going on. So let's, let's you know, clap our hands that these people are, are really figuring stuff out. Um, I'm, I'm amazed. I am I'm too. sure you are too. Yeah, I, and you guys know this is why Jill and I do this because we have just a passion for these people who care about the places we gather and eat and drink and want to provide these experiences for us and the way they've been hit hard lately and uh, you know, public safety comes first and we also want to think about what these people are going through. So we want to be here for you telling your stories. Uh, please send us those stories and, and we're going to be talking to people as often as we can, right, Jill? Absolutely. Keeping a list. Um, where should they send that to, Lindsay? Message us on Instagram. Uh, yeah. And also, uh, Jill Silva Food is another place um, that you can reach me, and I'll get the info to Lindsay, and we'll, we'll get you guys on air. Absolutely. All right. That's another episode of Chew Diligence. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Be safe.